0: Welcome to another episode of Live with the Cork in the Road. I'm Kelly. I'm your wine explorer here in Atlanta, Georgia, and I am chatting with people who are shaping the Southeast wine industry. Hey everyone, welcome back to another week of season four of the podcast. Hope you're doing well. Hope the weather is somewhat turning into spring or feeling like spring. I don't know. I'm feeling very hopeful for the days ahead, and I hope you are too. This week, we're also celebrating International Women's Day and perfect timing because the woman on this week's episode is the epitome of entrepreneur powerhouse. She's a California native, but she lives here in Atlanta. She's also an internationally trained chef, In addition to being a sommelier, she does a lot of virtual and in-person cooking classes and wine pairings and tastings, and we really share a mutual love for talking about the producers and thinking about the way that wine and food connects people. So we had a lot of fun talking about that and what it's like to be a woman in the wine industry right now and how wine fits into day-to-day life. So I had a great time chatting with her, and I think you'll really enjoy this episode ATL Women of Wine. This is really great. Make sure you find us on Instagram and you can always like and share the post about the podcast. That helps a ton. Make sure to leave a rating or review if you like the podcast. And there's also a way to support the podcast if you like the content we're creating on Anchor. So I'll put more about that in today's post, but please let us know what you think and we're happy to have you listening. Have a great day. Have a great week and cheers. It is so great to see you and have you here. I know we have a lot of common friends in Atlanta, and you've even had some colleagues that are on the podcast, so welcome. Yeah, totally. I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me. It's fun to chat with you because I think the most recent that I've seen you in the Atlanta wine community is when we are blind tasting on Zoom. I don't have six wines in front of me today. I don't know about you. Do you have six wines in front? No. I am, um,
1: I'm drinking scotch. <laughs> oh, <that's>
0: amazing, that <laughs> yeah. might be even better, my friend, but we are not going to be going through the grid together today, although that's what we're most familiar with. But did I catch you in Atlanta? Are you home? I know you've been traveling quite a bit, even in these crazy times.
1: Yes, I'm home right now. I've been here um, since V-Day. We went to the Dominican for Valentine's Day, so there was that.
0: <laughs> and it was travel for fun instead of travel for work. Yes. Yes.
1: This was a fun trip. We just like to get away. We really looked up like the precautions that they're taking down there, going and coming back and felt comfortable. And it was an amazing experience and we needed, we needed the break.
0: You needed it. And that's even with being on the road so much and such a good combination to have of still being able to adventure right now in those safe ways. And you've been really helpful for me of understanding the precautions that you're personally taking. So thank you for sharing that as you travel. What is the current role that keeps you so busy these days?
1: No, totally. So I work for Chateau du Pommard, winemaking estate in Burgundy, and I represent the Southeast. So I've got Maryland, the Carolinas, Tennessee, D.C., Florida, kind of everything in between. And When I first got hired, which was a blessing because I got furloughed from City Winery in March of last year, and I was... Very content with like, I'm just going to chill and not have to work for a little bit. And then this job found me in April. So I was out of work for a matter of like two, three weeks. And then I was working again. And I'm like, well, if there's anything to come out of retirement for, this was kind of the one. And so we started with just the virtual tastings like everybody moved to and that type of thing. But, you know, we're in the South and uh our regulations are slightly different than the rest of the country. So I've had the availability to still go to territory. And I put on coursed out dinners, private tastings, um, public, not really public tastings, but ticketed tastings. I do events at hotels and that type of thing. So I haven't done A ton of that, but um, towards the end of last year, as it seemed like my territory was still pretty fluid, I had the opportunity to go and like host some really nice patio events and I did some dinners like on rooftop terraces and still trying to keep it outside. But you know, just bringing the chateau. To the states, we're not distributed. There's no retail sales, so it's really up to the wine advisors in the U.S. to really tell the story of our chateau and our winemakers. And so, you know, while I had the opportunity to do so, and I felt comfortable enough in in these areas to be outside and to still do, you know, what I do. And so, it's been um, it's been quite a blessing, actually.
0: I'm smiling because I'm thinking that's got to be such a relief to still be talking about wine with people in these beautiful places. And not only just wine, you're talking about some beautiful wines from Burgundy. You probably have a total new vocabulary in terms of the wines that you're talking about. And it makes me wonder as someone who day in, day out is sharing the story of Burgundy. What do you get asked the most about while you're teaching these classes? Hosting the events? What do you think people want to know about Burgundy that you're able to tell them?
1: So, the thing that I noticed the most, and it's kind of the most endearing, is that a lot of even people that drink wine kind of actively, right, don't realize that Burgundy is all Pinot and Chardonnay. And so, it's more of just like things that you forget are not common knowledge or, you know, that everybody just doesn't know. And so, a lot of times, it'll be the small little nuggets that. People will come up to me after and like, I had no idea, or, you know, it's the Burgundy way to taste your red wines before your white wines. And so kind of explaining that process and why kind of is eye-opening. I think people get into the habit of just doing things because they're told to, and they don't really understand the why. And so I try and break down, this is why we do these things. And so if you're ever in a circumstance like in Burgundy where the white wine's are so much bolder and bigger than the red wines, it's not appropriate to drink them first. And so I like to really get down to the basics because I just know what it felt like, you know, being, I still feel like I'm a baby in the industry, but a a babier than I am now, just how kind of lost I felt and how I felt like a lot of people always talked over my head. So I try to, I try to be really cognitive about that so that I Make it approachable so wine people and aficionados understand and they're not bored. But then the wine novice feels like they're a part of the conversation and that it's not you know any type of condescending tone. So usually it's about that. And then when I mention I'm a chef, then usually the conversation just shifts straight to food and 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 we're off. You know. And then it's usually like, what's your favorite Burgundy pairing or. Whatever, you know, whatever comes along with that.
0: It's like instant friends. When food (laughs) comes into the conversation, wine is less intimidating. They find out that you're cooking, you're pairing. They're like, oh, this is, you're my new best friend. Yeah, they're like, oh,
1: you're like, oh, food, tell me more.
0: (laughs) So relatable. But then you're bringing this place, this beautiful wine place to life through your travels and everything. I love following your adventures. I've learned a lot about where you're at through all of the things that you share online and the places that you're teaching. And it's very cool because it seems like it's such a wide variety of places and settings. And you've really found a way, Jordan, to blend your food and wine love together. And it makes me curious if you've received training or education in both of these industries,
1: which came first, would you say, between those two loves? I went to culinary school first and have worked. I opened a catering company, worked as a private chef for some athletes for a number of years. But um, at the end of culinary school, you do what's called an externship. And you're basically just working for free somewhere, you know, in the industry. But I made the decision to go to Italy for my externship. Before I went there, didn't drink wine, didn't drink coffee, nothing. And I, of course, was finishing my you know, my culinary experience, but then was introduced to wine. And I was like, wait a minute, <laughs> I wanna do this too. But I'm like, I'm in the middle of school. I'm not ready to just pivot careers. So I just kind of use that as an opportunity to start studying wine. And I, I kind of built up more of the experience side of my wine knowledge prior to taking any of the certifications and then having that portion of it. And so I've been traveling to the wine regions of the world under the the cloak of this isn't a culinary excursion or I'm going here to work at this job, but then I would specifically target these jobs in areas where I knew wine and viticulture and wine education would be something I'd be able to easily access. So food came first, but wine was bringing up the rear really fast. and. I just fell in love, like Italy is is another world when it comes to the senses. All five senses are hit all the time, the meals are experiences, it's not just food, and you eat slow and it's intentional, and you eat a crap ton, but you don't get fat because you're walking and you're in nature and you're enjoying it all, and I loved, um, my family's European as well, not Italian, my family's Welsh, but I, Missed that kind of European lifestyle when it comes to food and family and wine not being taboo or we're drinking it to get drunk. Where it's it's a part of the culture. Wine in Italy is a part of the heartbeat, and I I couldn't leave that there when I left. I I needed to feel that every day, so I try to replicate how I felt at these meals or preparing these meals and then having family meal with my staff and you know the rest of the kitchen guys over an amazing five euro bottle of wine i want to replicate those experiences here so that's always like in the back of my head i want people to feel what i felt that just brought so much vibrancy to my days and so that's that's kind of when i'm doing dinners and things like that i want to make people feel something And, and an unforgettable moment is what I'm chasing more than just, you know, making somebody full or, or tipsy, which are, are are great things as well. (laughs)
0: I can totally get that because you're making me feel that right now. Like I almost saw like Italy appear in your eyes as you were talking about that. It just like radiates from you. I can tell that was a huge part of connecting these two worlds. And I guess Italy does that to people. It'll make you fall in love with both. It's magical. It's magical. It's so magical. And yes, but what other cuisines inspire you? Have no. you been exploring other cuisines? Because it feels like the wine knowledge that is parallel to the food You must find inspiration in both. But what other cuisines have you kind of traveled down to learn more about?
1: So I grew up in Southern California, which is a complete melting pot. I have Samoan friends, Filipino friends, Korean friends, uh, you you name it, I've got it. And so I was blessed to be exposed to this, I mean, just a worldly array of cuisine from just going to my friends' houses growing up. Uh, My great-grandfather is from India. My I, We've got family from Barbados. So it's just like in exploring my own culture and my own family, I was taught curries and that type of thing from my grandmother. But then we have the Welsh side. So we've done all the, the bangers and mash and that kind of thing. And then there's the Caribbean side. And then just, you know, just traveling. Culinary school is usually, I went to La Cordon Bleu. It's, French-based cuisine. So then I really got a deep dive into French cuisine and classic French techniques. But I think just growing up in Long Beach and being around that, the exploration of other cuisines was almost an unconscious learning thing I was learning and didn't realize but then when I got to culinary school and they're like oh we're going to make sushi I'm like oh I already know how to do that like you know what I mean it was just like you're learning and you don't even realize and these were all things that kind of just pushed me along so I would love to go and like stage in, in Tokyo and and works at a ramen bar for free like a legit ramen like I I always am volunteering my time to people that I admire to learn a new skill and so you know when things open up one of the Asian countries will definitely be if I can go for like a month or something and just really get a crash course. That's really um, what I like to do. But I love Indian food. I love Thai food. Um So I, I kind of research and and learn more about the stuff I just want to eat because I'm like, I need this at home all the time. So that's, you know, that's where it starts. And like, I, I cook what I feel like eating, you know, so I need to learn these things. So I want you to keep traveling
0: and learning because then I know you bring it back at some point to home based in Atlanta. So these are, Always. If you, go, you know, <laughs> if you, if you can go and hone your craft on ramen and bring it home here, I'll be very happy about that and I'll be first in line. So
1: this yes, is good. absolutely.
0: <laughs> and then did you grow up around wine as well? Like, was this something in your family? I know we talked a little bit about the food background, but like wine was, it wasn't no. even on your radar before culinary school. So no. How did moving to Atlanta, and I know that you came here for college specifically at Spelman, which is so awesome. Did you come here and feel that Atlanta had anything to do with changing your approach to
1: wine? You know, Atlanta changed the approach to culinary. I came out here to to get an economics degree and quickly realized I'm like, "Mm." well, no shade. It, It just wasn't It wasn't for me. I I thought, you know, in my head, I'm like, oh, I was good at this class in high school, so I'm just going to major in it. I'm sure it'll I'm sure it'll be fine. Well, it's not undercover if you live here, but there's such a like unrepresented and acknowledged food scene out here. And so just living out here and all the pockets of these amazing restaurants with these crazy cool chefs, I'm like, well, this is a lot closer to what I want to be doing than working in an office. And so the transition into food happened, I think is heavily attributed to Atlanta and Southern food and that hospitality. Like I'm, I'm hospitality driven. I want to make people feel things. I love hosting. I love having people over and that type of thing. And I loved that Southern feel. So that's what kind of got me into the food. And then once I got there, then you know, you go to the markets and and the wine is cheaper than a bottle of water. And I'm like, well, I guess I'm not drinking any water on this trip. So then it just became, you know, the next level. So, you know, it was all more of like a progression, but I love Atlanta. I love it here. I love the culture. I love the, the vibe and I love the opportunities that were here.
0: Well, yeah, because it sounds like the combination of moving here for school, figuring out where that passion was within you and then having it just like burst out of your heart while you were in Italy and in culinary school. And then somehow all the stars aligned and you were able to make a decision. I am ready to grow my own business. And you chose Atlanta to start that process. Mm-hmm. So what was it like at the time where you were like, I'm going to take a leap of faith. I'm going to start my own business. I believe it was for being a private chef and a seller consultant at the same time. Yeah. But what a giant change of pace for you. (laughs) So I'm thinking, tell me what that decision was like here in Atlanta.
1: So it's a funny story. I had a job. I was at a corporate psychology firm. and That's not food related. It was none of those things. And I was doing this job and doing a ton of catering on the side. And I was coming to that head where I could no longer effectively do both at the same time. But my corporate job was, of course, paying the bills. But really what tipped the scale was I <laughs> I had planned a trip for my boyfriend's birthday like three months in advance, right? and got approved to have it off and all of this. And leading up to his birthday, there was a big project that was like the whole team kind of had to do each. Everybody had their part. I was done with my part, all these things. Their part wasn't done. And they were like, oh, we need you to stay to help get this project done. And I'm like, but my portion of the project is done. And Their portion wasn't even in my wheelhouse. I'm like, I don't even know what I can contribute. And they're like, well, no, you can't have this time off. We need you to stay. And I'm like, I've already paid for this trip and all these things. So I'm in my office the day I'm supposed to be leaving for my trip, pissed. Right. I'm like looking around. I'm like, this is this is not okay. Like this is I had nothing to do because again, this hadn't this was not my portion of the project. And I opened a little box, I put my plant, I took my highlighters, I called my boyfriend and I was like, hey, come get me from work. And he was like, oh, is it your lunch break? And I was like, no, just come through, just come pick me up, bring our suitcases. We were already packed by the time they told me we couldn't go. And I was like, yeah, no, just bring the suitcases. It's all good. He saw me walking out with my little box and my plant and he was like, did you just quit? And I was like, yeah, I just left. You and just walked out the door. I, I did, but I did that because I'm I am a professional, and I you know I don't want to leave people high and dry. However, I needed to burn a bridge so that I couldn't go back over it. If I knew that I could go back, I don't think that I would have given my catering business my all. And I'm like, I need this to be my only option. So I have to burn this bridge. And so I just went full force into catering. At the time, I wasn't doing the private chef yet. I was just doing parties, weddings, that type of thing. But I was busy. And so I I left and I've never been back. <laughs> I admire this. it <laughs> seems like, did I do that? I'm
0: sure you had, but but you did. And you know what? The fact of making it your only option to pursue what you kind of felt like you should be doing It's a really beautiful psychological trick to play on yourself. And then you did dive full force into creating your own business.
1: You know, it's, it wasn't easy. I'm not saying it was a fairy tale after that, but I am extremely blessed. And, you know, God has always made sure that I have what I need and the people that I need and what I don't know, the right people will arrive and be like, oh, I know how to do that. I'm like, wonderful. Come join my team. Um, And It's been a wild ride. It really has. But I i knew, I'm like, if you have a safety net, you don't really jump, right? So, you know, that leap of faith, you have to just walk out on that faith and know you're going to be caught. And I I trust the process. And I knew I didn't belong in that office with that stupid little LED light. And, you know, like, I'm like, this is just not for me. Like, you got to get your girl out of here. So... But you took uh, a plant? That's good. You took your plane yeah, out of there You it. saved that. He's still alive.
0: <laughs> He's still alive. It's, see, the memory lives on in its own special way. Yeah. And then, you, and then you just find those the highlights of those times and you remember them for what they are. So I love that you did this. And then I'm thinking, okay, you 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 jump, you go. What was it like to start then full on marketing your services in Atlanta in the Southeast? What was your favorite part about building and growing and finding new clients?
1: So, and this is going to sound crazy, pretty much 95% of my business was word of mouth. Mm -hmm. I never did any marketing. I have an Instagram for my culinary page, but I wasn't as active as I should have been. But the second I kind of announced, hey, this is what I'm doing full time. My Village really supported me. They knew the type of work that I do. They knew the quality of my food, and they're tirelessly like um, promoted me. And it was just party after party, and it was just one of those things. It's like people call it serendipity. I'm, you know, I'm just grateful. You know, it's it was just a blessing. I try to. Do right by people, you know, and when you do right by people, they do right by you, right? So sometimes I would do parties for people that I knew didn't have the budget to really afford what I was giving, but I, I know it all comes full circle and, and I'm living proof of that. And it's, it's no bullshit. Like it really isn't. I just always tried to make sure I took care of people. And so when it was time for like, I'm like, Hey guys, I don't have like a real job anymore. So if you know anybody having a party, anything, please let them know. And and they looked out. And so I think I had a Google ads running for like a month because you got a free couple of credits when you first build a website. And I ran those for like a month and that was it.
0: And then people couldn't help but love the work that you were doing. And it sounds like it really was the work and the feeling and the hospitality that was leading the way for you. Because I can just sense from the way that you're talking about food and wine and teaching about it, that hospitality truly is at the core of what you do. All of this makes so much sense. But I know you've had some fun experiences because earlier in the podcast, you did mention you had some athletes and some high profile clients. So you're not joking around anymore. This word of mouth has spread to all levels of society.
1: So what was that
0: like for you to be in some of these places of these icons that maybe you're like,
1: wow, I'm cooking for you. I'm, I'm telling you wine things. Like, What is that like? Man, my imposter syndrome is so real. Like it's it's out of control. And I'll get approached for jobs for certain clients. I'm like, of all the chefs that you gotta call, I'm like, you called me? Like, really? But I try not to like downplay myself. But I'm like. I know some crazy like heavy hitter chefs that I really look up to. And I'm like, why are you calling me? But I'm like, you know what, I'm not going to block my blessing. But it was fun. I I was working with um, a football player for a while um, and he was out of Denver. And so like three days a week, I'd fly to Denver, do meal prep for him and his girlfriend. And then fly home for four days. And that was fun because I've got a lot of family in Colorado. Two of my best friends live out there. And so it was just like living this double life. And it was an absolute, it was a blast. It was a blast. Um There's some pretty well-known uh pastors out here. I was their private chef for a while and it happened, you know, everything is serendipitous like I mentioned, or, you know, just the universe being what I needed to be. I was a member of this church and then got contacted because they were looking for a chef and um, their HR person found me online. And I was like, oh, did you find me because I'm, I attend, she was like, oh, have you heard of our ministry? And I was like, oh, I'm a member of the church. I was under the impression you found me this way. And she was like, nope, found you on Google. I'm like, what are the odds? And so- I went to do my tasting with them and they're like, oh, do you know our ministry? Like, are you of faith? And I was like, yeah, I go here. (laughs) Been here for three years. It's just one of those things that, you know, I try to be very intentional about giving the the glory to where it's deserved. I'm like, this is all God because I am a mess. Like, I would not be where I would be if, if some angels weren't like, okay, Jordan. Go over there. Go do like I don't know what I'm
0: doing. You know, so that's beautiful because then you can share your talents with all these people, (laughs) and then you are part now of a really inspiring place to be for food and wine here in Atlanta. I know that you're traveling a lot too, but with the home base here, and you travel to other markets, so. I actually think that you're kind of the perfect person to ask about this. As you go around and share, you know, about the wines of Burgundy that you work for, Mm -hmm. hear about food and wine pairings, how would you describe the current food and wine culture of Atlanta to someone who doesn't know anything about it?
1: So it's kind of twofold because there's all these emerging, I won't even say emerging Finally, this highlight on people in the industry that look like me, just to call a spade a spade that are finally getting some recognition. And so in at least in the past year, it's been really nice because sometimes when you're constantly at these culinary events or wine events and you're the only black person in the room, you start to feel like, are we just not here? And within the last, you know, two years, it has been such a relief to discover all of these professionals around the corner from me that look like me. And so it's beyond, you know, just being a black professional because I never wanted to be a black chef or black sommelier. I just happen to be black. But I'm a som, I'm a chef. It is what it is, but it is nice to have found and be a part of a community that I really didn't know existed. Like Mm -hmm. I knew a couple, they knew a couple, but when we all get together, there's tons of us. And so Atlanta is really an epicenter for, for all of that. Most of my friends are chefs or Psalms or, you know, something in the industry. And so I feel like a pull to Atlanta. And I've always said this because I, I decided to stay here. I'm from California. I could have gone back home or, stayed overseas and things and I have a daughter, but it's really nice to live in a place where black people winning is normal. I don't wanna be the story of like, oh, you made it out or look at you go. Like, no, I want her to be raised in an environment where black millionaires and business owners and doctors and sommeliers and chef is just her world. So the expectation is that this is just what we do. So as you're growing up, this is what you're going to do because this is normal. And I, I have not found, DC is very much similar to that as well. And there's other areas that there's more of that, but Atlanta is like Wakanda, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, we're all winning and I want her to see that. I want my children you know, she was born the year Obama was in office. She was born with a black president and we live in this community of people and our tribe is just winning and that's important to me. And so, and then beyond that, I think San Francisco, LA, New York gets all the hype for the food and the wine and all that jazz. And yes, they're amazing and and have all of those things. But I'm like, you come to Atlanta, we've got all those things too. And way cheaper cost of living. <laughs> This is all true. I am
0: so thankful that your daughter doesn't have to have a moment like you had of, wait, I didn't know that there were people doing what I want to do. It sounds like that was something that you faced quite a bit and look at the world that you're able to show to her now that you can do anything and right. you cannot be the only one that's doing it. And yeah. I am just, I think that's refreshing about Atlanta. I find it super inspiring and yeah, there should be a spotlight here. We have all those things and some. So right. <laughs> I'm, I'm so thankful that you bring that up and have the strongest voice in your space. And no more imposter syndrome, Jordan. You uh, This does not need to be on your I on just,
1: your resume at all. That you- I just, you know, you just get in your head because, but that's the beauty of it, right? Like my tribe and my team, is they inspire me so much. They are men, women, black, white, whatever that's combined of it all. But they're such like killers in the industry. I'm like, I'm around them and I'm like, oh, I don't know shit. (laughs) Like, But I am constantly trying to improve, not to imitate, but just out of reverence and I'm constantly learning from my team. So it's like one of those things where I'm like super intimidated around my friends because I feel like I know the least, but then it's like, you know what? I I do try and find a balance. I have friends that are way more wine educated than I am, but there's very few people that have studied both to the extent that I have. And so I also honor the fact that I have a voice. I I don't know it all, but I know a little bit of something and I know a very specific kind of corner. It's not a huge, you know, there's not tons of us. You're not chefs and psalms. There's not a ton of both. And so I'm like, okay, I don't have to know it all on one or the other, but I know enough to have a, a little bit of value in this space to still teach people that know way more about one or the other. I'm like, okay, but do you want to talk about amino acids and taste buds and the molecular structures of these foods with these wines? I'm like, I know a little bit of something. So I'm working my way through it. Oh, yes. Please have those
0: conversations. (laughs) Throw your talent on the table. Like, absolutely. And you have an opportunity to do that. You're teaching people that are exploring food and wine. So you have to know that you are at a point where people are seeking knowledge from you. You are working at the Atlanta Wine School. I know this from being in the tasting group with you here in Atlanta, but there are a lot of people that are trying to go for different certifications and study programs. But Jordan, speaking of level of knowledge, you are actually one of the providers of those classes. What are the skill sets that you're bringing to the Atlanta Wine School that you're able to offer to people that are new to food and wine
1: or want to learn more? So those are really fun because I teach the cooking class. And so then I get to walk them through the steps and the knife skills and the sanitation and all that jazz. And they're basically essentially cooking their own dinners. But in the end, then we will course it out and we will have four or five different wines. And then we get into, OK, we were selected this for this. And this is why and it completely merges my two loves and. I love seeing people's, and my friend Larissa always calls it the aha moment. Like I love seeing people's aha moment. I'm like, okay, hear me out. Taste this with this, taste this with this, see why this doesn't work and see why this does work. And now you understand why. Um I love the Atlanta Wine School. I love my time there and the classes and being able to connect with people. I'm <laughs> I'm secretly extremely shy. Um, so cooking was a way for me to connect with people without actually having to talk to anybody. Um, But it's like, you know, here's a little bit of me. Here's some love on a plate that I want to share with you. But I don't really want to talk like I'm. I'm kind of painfully shy. So that was a way for me to still be able to connect. But so when I first started teaching the classes and, you know, there's 40 people just staring at you, the anxiety. But I just learned to just look at my hands. And then as you get more comfortable, you get more comfortable, you get more comfortable. Then it gets a little bit easier. But when I'm talking about things that I love and sharing, there's nothing like sharing a good meal with somebody like that breaks down the ice and the barriers and tension and, you know, and then you add a little bit of wine to it. And I'm like, oh, okay, we're all best friends. You know what I oh, mean? Like universal language. And yeah. you are bringing people together. Speaking
0: of the joy of food and wine combinations that I know that you're so skilled on, one of the joyful things I would tune into during the pandemic when I couldn't leave my house and all the things And I don't really leave my house that much anymore, to be honest, (laughs) still, but um, but I'm getting there. Um, But you and Larissa, another amazing wine professional in Atlanta, you teamed up to do these Instagram lives that were so interactive, so joyful. So when you talk about like the language that you can offer and the things that you can bring to people's lives through food and wine combinations, those IG lives were just pure Joy. Yeah, it was about food and wine, but the combinations that you guys brought, that was just tremendous.
1: That makes me so happy to hear. She's studying right now for like Champagne Masters. So her brain is at capacity. I'm like Larissa, as soon as this is done, let's bring the perfect pairing back. Those were so much fun for us that both definitely took us out of our comfort zone because she doesn't really like being on camera either. But she had this idea. She said when her and her husband were talking about this idea, I was the first person she thought of. And what's funny is we've only met for like 10 minutes. Like people are like, yo, you've guys been friends for years. And I'm like, no, we've only met once and it was for 10 minutes. But she like gave me all these study materials when I was studying for a certified Psalm. And so she had my number, so she had this idea, she called me and she's like, would you be interested in doing this with me? I was like, absolutely. And that's just kind of how that started. But people are always like, are you guys coming back? And I'm like, yeah, I think so. Like, I want to do some classes to teach a couple of dishes, but I feel like the dynamic and the energy wouldn't be the same if she wasn't there. So I haven't done any yet because I'm waiting for her. But I'm like, come on, Larissa, like, let's get your champagne certification. I'm studying for set 3. Let's get these out of the way. And then, you know, let's once a month or once every two months, let's just drop a class because they were just they were just a good time, you know.
0: And the knowledge that you share. So you're not you're you're mentioning some pretty important Fields of study there to be able to learn more and education as a part of food and wine. And then you were just providing it in a really fun atmosphere. But yeah, you're studying for WSET 3. You are also going for a, another certification
1: Spanish wine scholar.
0: And why did you choose the Spanish Wine Scholar of all the ones out there? It's my favorite wine.
1: I always, I follow, like I cook the things and I learned the food that I like to eat and I study the wine I like to drink. So I, I am blessed with my job to, we represent a couple of other producers throughout France. So I'm really getting a good grasp on the different regions in France and all that. So French Wine Scholar, it's not something I want to pursue because... I'm open to whatever, but I love Spanish wine. That's like my, my go-to. So I'm like, if I want to really delve into one or the other, that's the one. And and Italy would be an obvious choice, but there's just so many grapes.
0: There's so many grapes we don't even know exist yet. Like we don't even know all the grapes. And that was going to be my, my biggest curiosity is when you're not, studying and drinking the wines that are in your portfolio for work, because obviously that's a big part of day-to-day for you. What are you drinking? And now I know I can find you exploring Spanish wines. And then I'm like, okay, tell me more. Because I really like the idea of pairings with Spanish wines. So then I'm like, you might be my new go-to like hotline for these types of
1: questions. Yes. The pairings I got you, if you really want to know all about Spanish wine, my go-to is Shakira at Black Girls Dying 2. She's like, all things Spanish wine. I'm just getting into studying it all, but I love Priorette and Garnacha and Garnacha-based bubbles, and it's just what I love. But the food side of it, I got you. Barcelona is one of my favorite cities ever. Like it's so beautiful there. The wine is so good, and so yeah. If I'm like not drinking stuff from our portfolio, it's either Spain or I love like. Nero Davila and Primitivo and some of the darker, uh, sexier Italian wines. You're like, oh, Italian wine's so light. I'm like, oh, no, no. I'm like, come drink this Amarone with me. You don't know. You don't know what you're saying. So it's usually either Spain or Italy in my house. I've got a little selection of stuff right here, but... And I also drink scotch.
0: (laughs) Scotch, which is
1: so amazing.
0: But again, I think it has a lot of those similar kind of the the tar, the like kind of rustic type of tone. I think that that's a beautiful thing to share, and especially to play around with food pairings. Which brings me to my fun little game. Now, I I told you I wasn't gonna test you on anything, and this is a test because this is this is your opinion. So, set a test. There's no right or wrong answer, but. Because I think there's a lot of people that are really into trying new things that they never heard of. And I think that you have a knowledge of different recipes. And I know you're in the process of doing a blog that's going to be starting soon and all of Mm this. So if you had to pick two of your kind of go-to favorite pairings, wine and food combinations that have either surprised you, stuck out to you, amazed you, comfort you, whatever it is, what are your two wine and food combos that you recommend people explore?
1: So I recently did a dinner out here in Atlanta at the Buckhead Club, and I tried to do a red and a white for every course to really show people the difference, especially because I brought the wine from our portfolio. And one of the courses was filet mignon. And of course, we had a red and it was beautiful and it works and it makes sense. Um, but then we had a Chassagne Montrochet, beautiful, just round, luscious white wine. And it was by far the better pairing by mm. far. And I was, even me, I was like, I knew it would work. That's why I paired it. Cause it's so bold and filet is so lean, but I'm like, I will never drink red wine with a filet mignon ever again i'm just not gonna do it because white burgundies are like a match made in heaven for lean red meats and so i kept telling my guests that were there i'm like because they were like they were with me until i said you know we're gonna do this white wine with the filet and then like what like oh then they questioned everything i just (laughs) i lost all credibility and so i'm like just go with me this works i sold cases of that wine that night because people are like i I have to have this with my filet now. So that was one of the ones that even it surprised me a little bit. I was like, this is incredible.
0: Okay, noted. That is going to be my husband <laughs> makes steak. So I'm like, okay, let's do it. I think I think I can get with you on the texture combination. So now I'm super intrigued. So I can yeah. imagine. Number two, what else would throw us off or excite us or surprise us?
1: So I don't know if it would throw you off, but um, I teach a food and wine pairing experience. Um, via my job, we have a platform called Vivant and it's this online situation. Ooh, I've been hearing a
0: lot about that. People should check that out. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's, it's a cool interactive, completely live, but not like in a zoom setting. It's, it's so much more than that, but I teach a lot of the food and wine pairings and we have paired this Petit Chablis with like Lay's potato chips. And I think since the first time I've tried that, I've probably every movie that I've watched since then on my couch has been with this petite chablis and these lays. And I don't even like lays. Like, oh, I, wow, I could, oh I could go without them. I like hot Cheetos kind of chips if I'm eating chips. But you know, for the experience, that's it. They said this is what you should get. And. It's so like mouth watering, and these Lay's just take on a whole new life. I'm like, this is my movie snack now, and so I've had an obscene amount of them. I need to chill on the chips a little bit, but this just beautiful. I think it's Denise and Isabel Premier, Petit Chablis, and some Lay's or some tortilla chips. It's like food and wine pairing. People always get so like, oh, it just has to be this extravagant meal and all these things. I'm like. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, I'm just on my couch with a ball of mozzarella and something good to drink. But uh, the chips and the petit Chablis are definitely my like little dark horse right now. It j- they just bring me so much joy. You're just your lips are smacking and you're licking your fingers and I'm just over in my corner and I'm like, nobody look at me in my shame. I'm like, it's just so good, but it's, it's a really nice pairing. This is chef approved. Like I feel like we all now have like a right to try
0: this. Thank you for opening that door. I feel like this is, this is a no shame situation and beautiful wine with food you have at home is an excellent way to go, especially right now. So you just may have made somebody's day. And I really, <laughs> really appreciate it. If you haven't already, I'm sure you do all the time. But yeah, you just made at least one more person's day. So that's awesome. So knowing all this great advice, where can people find you? What's the best way to find out what you're doing next, what you're up to, how to book events and classes with you?
1: Um, so right now, wandering why no or wandering underscore why no underscore is my Instagram. That's pretty much the hub for it all. My lovely friend Keisha is building my blog cause that's just not my ministry. And so I've been developing the content over the last month. It's going to be food recipes, food and wine pairing recommendations, restaurant recommendations, and then travel recommendations. Um, right before COVID hit, I was about to launch a luxury guided wine tour business um, And I wanted to take people to the, to the less known wine regions of the world. And then COVID said, you know, you're not going anywhere. But as I'm starting to trickle back out, I am going to start just sharing these experiences. I'm not going to do the guided wine tours just yet, but like I just got back from the Dominican. But I feel like some of the blogs that I read with these beautiful images, you just get a sense of like, the beach is nice and that type of thing. But I want to know how far is it from the airport? How much is that taxi? Do they primarily speak English? Can I get money there? Do they take American money? Like, I want to know those kind of details because that's how I plan my trips. And so mine will be just a little bit more of the how-tos and the distances to things, the the conversion rates and that type of thing. And then all the pretty stuff and what you want to eat and where you want to go. So until I can start physically taking people. Um, So that will be wine-wanderers.com. It'll start with some initial recipes and my trip to the Dominican will be the first travel destination that I I kind of highlight there. But so for now, Wandering Wino on Instagram is the way. And then as the blog launches, I will definitely be announcing that there.
0: Excellent. And it sounds like it's the type of information that can actually make it happen. It'll help people (laughs) do the trip. And that's what we all need to know. Like, yeah, what money do I need? Like, this is all very, this is very important, Jordan. And I think you're going to help people travel with you, whether it's virtually right now or through the advice and the adventures that you share. I think it's a great way to stay connected. And I think we speak the same language on using wine to connect with people and yeah. places. And I see that in you and I can't wait to see what you do next. So. Thank you so much for being on the show and for sharing your knowledge and pairings of potato chips. I'm all in. <laughs> I
1: have to send you a bottle. We sell it. I have to send you a bottle of the Petite Chablis so we can cheers for some chips. But thank you for having me. I really appreciate you reaching out. And um, this has been a, a lot of fun. <laughs> cheers to
0: you. I will see you on the blind tasting sometime soon or in my sweatpants, eating potato chips and drinking your wine. Either Taggy. way. <laughs> cheers. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to the A Cork in the Road podcast, coming to you live from Atlanta, Georgia, and interviewing people who are changing the wine world in the Southeast and beyond. You can find more about A Cork in the Road at at A Cork in the Road on Instagram, and make sure to check us out on www.acorkintheroad.com. See you soon, guys. Cheers.